If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Today we are going to talk about peace. Everybody say peace. I wonder how you would define peace. Peace. Um, we can use this word peace for, uh, in a number of different ways. I want some peace and quiet. Anybody had said that before? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody said that to their children? Nope. Yep. Many of you. Peace. And, and so for some of us, you know what peace is? Peace is, is it's quiet. Peace is the absence of, of noisy chaos. That's peace. How many of you, you enjoy that kind of peace, the absence of chaos? Amen? Amen? I enjoy that too. There's peace also, like when we talk about war, we often talk about it like war, and the opposite of war is peace. And so for us, peace is kind of this, this absence of conflict. Um, but when God's word talks about peace, which version is, is he speaking about? Uh, peace, absence of chaos, peace, absence of conflict. The reality is, is the word peace in the Bible, it, it means that and then actually so much more. There's a Hebrew word for the word peace. Does anybody know it? Say it out loud. Shalom. Excellent class. How many of you actually knew that? Okay, excellent. Awesome. Well, now those of you who didn't, now you know, and you can go to a Christmas party this afternoon and be like, y'all know what peace means in in Hebrew? It's shalom. Say it with like a nice, deep voice and add some sort of Hebrew accent to it. Um, I don't even know what a Hebrew accent sounds like, but just act like it. You'll sound so smart. Shalom. Shalom means wholeness. It is a sense of no chaos. It is a sense of no conflict. But more than that, is it a, it's a sense of wholeness. It is, it is a word that means you're full of contentment, full of gratitude. You have everything that you need and more. Shalom. And that's what Jesus, he is the prince of what? He's the prince of shalom. He is he's the one that can give you wholeness. So those of you who feel a bit fractured in heart, in mind, he brings wholeness. Now, I think it's easier said than done to have this peace, to have this shalom. And today, I, I want to look at this passage in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. Um, and typically, guys, typically when I preach, I don't know if you picked up on this or not, I typically try and pick like one main point, one main idea, and really the whole sermon is just kind of built around that main idea. Um, today, I'm cheating. I'm not, I don't have one point. I've got five points. So the sermon's going to be five times as long. No, I'm teasing. It's not. It's not going to be that way. Um, as I was reading this, it's the story of Jesus's birth from Joseph's kind of perspective experience. That's what Matthew is giving us. Um, most of Matthew's birth narrative of Jesus is from kind of the lens, if you will, the experience, if you will, of Joseph. 
Luke's gospel tells the story of Jesus's birth, but it gives us more of Mary's perspective and experience of it. And so we're looking at Joseph's experience here. And as I was reading and studying this, um, I couldn't help but find five profound truths about who God is through Jesus's birth, who God is that will give you peace. And so I simply want to just walk through this story from Joseph's perspective and just point out these one, two, three, four, five truths that we can take to the bank and know for certain about God. And they are meant to give you peace, give you shalom. Anybody Want some peace? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how Matthew begins. He says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. I love how Matthew starts. Matthew's like, some of you are wondering how... How, how did Jesus' birth, how did that come all about? What was, what was that story like? Was this kind of like a, 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 one of those stories, fairy tale stories, where just everything seems to fall right in place, and it's, and it's nice, and it's, and, it's, and it's just full of, you know, smiley face emojis. It's just really great. And what we're going to find is that Matthew presents the story of Jesus' birth in a way that is full of conflict and full of chaos and full of challenges. And so Matthew says, here's here's how Jesus' birth took place. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So before we go any further, here's the scene. Um, Mary and Joseph, they are engaged. My Bible uses the word betrothed. It was an engagement. Back in this day, engagements were so significant, they, they were considered legally binding. And so probably many months, if not many years before... Um, Mary and Joseph's parents kind of played matchmaker and, and, and arranged for this marriage to happen. Now, just side note, friends, I used to be totally against this idea of like parents choosing who you marry. And then you have kids and then you're like, I know way better than they do who they should marry, right? Amen? Amen, Zephaniah? So... We, we have already chosen, son, who you will marry. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I should have to pay him like $5 for every story he makes it into in a sermon. I know a pastor who does that. Zephaniah will remember that out of this sermon, I promise you. So, so they're betrothed to be married. And if you read Luke's gospel, we kind of get the behind the scenes. An angel comes to Mary. She's maybe 15 years old, maybe a year or two younger, maybe a year or two older. She's young, and she's engaged to Joseph. They're not too far away from getting married. And, and the angel comes to Mary and tells her what's going to happen. You, you are favored by God, Mary, and you are going to have a son, and he, 
he is the son of the most high. And Mary kind of gets this confusing look on her face and she says, how can this be? I haven't been with a man. How can I be pregnant? I know enough from my health class in junior high to know what it takes. And I ha- I'm, I'm a virgin. How's that going to be? And the angel just says quite clearly, well, this child is going to be from the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be from Joseph. It's not going to be from another man. It is from the Holy Spirit. And so Mary says, okay, I am the Lord's servant. I'm in. And then Mary runs off, and we'll figure out why in a moment, runs off to her relative Elizabeth's, which was a number of miles away from the village that she lived in. And then Matthew tells us, Joseph gets word that Mary is pregnant. He's, he's told, probably maybe, I don't know how this happened. I wonder if Mary just like went and saw him or, or maybe the relatives told him. Well, we, we don't know. I imagine maybe Mary, before she hits town, she says to Joseph, hey, here's the deal. An angel visited me and I'm pregnant, but don't worry. Just calm down. It's fine. It's from the Holy Spirit. To which Joseph said, phew, oh, phew. I totally believe you. I've heard that story a dozen times. No. Joseph clearly is going, what? How how could you do this? You are from, from the Holy Spirit? I don't even know what that means. But Matthew is emphatic when he writes this, that Mary is with child from the Holy Spirit. This is the first of two times he will say this. He's gonna say this. Matthew's gonna say this a couple verses later. Mary was with child from the Holy Spirit. Why? Why is that important that Matthew wants us to know that? Well, because he's gonna tell us that Jesus is God with us that Jesus is fully God and he is fully man and that Jesus's birth, here's what it means. It means that God is with us. I'm not sure there's any greater truth about God that can give you peace like this one. God is with you. Because of Jesus, God is with you. Let me ask you a question. How often do you find yourself reflecting, oh, God, you are with me right now. In the midst of this, you are with me right now. Maybe some of you are like me and you can go hours, if not a day or two or multiple days where you forget to realize, God, that's right, you are with me. You are not absent, you are here with me. How much peace do you think you would have if you would rehearse that truth in your heart, in your mind? You are not alone. God is with you, always. There was this guy, his name's um, Frank Lubeck, I think his name was, um, if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Definitely know how to pronounce his first name. It was Frank. Um, He wrote this book called A Game of Minutes. 
He was a missionary, and, and the reason why he called it the game of minutes is this was a game he played in his, in his head. And the game was this. How often can I remind myself that God is with me? And his goal was this. His goal was to not go more than 60 seconds without for just one second, remind himself that God was with him. You ever been driving in the car and you got the empty seat next to you and you're like, God, you're with me. Some of you are like, I've never done that in my whole entire life. <laughs> well, first of all, let's make sure he's not in the back seat. Let's just, let's be clear on that, okay? But seriously, what would, what would your life be like if for one second, every one minute, you just reminded yourself, God, you are with me. You're with me right now. Something happens at work and you get a little frustrated, you get a little angry. And, and what if you were like, God, you are, you are with me. You have a tough morning Friends, I did what many of you family members do this morning. Typically, I drive myself to church. I gotta be here a little bit early. Melissa and I have a Christmas party afterwards, and so we're like, hey, let's drive together to church. Guys, worst idea ever, all right? So, we, we, so now I'm also in charge of getting the kids out of the house, which on a Sunday morning is like escaping hell. It's just like, what is going on? I'm overstating it, obviously. We're, we're 15 minutes, not 15, we're 12 minutes late. Get in the car. Melissa can tell I'm not real happy. And I think part of her's like, now you know how I feel, right? <laughs> we get in the car and she can tell I'm bothered. I kind of made it clear. This is how holy I am, guys. This, this was like two hours ago, okay? This is, not like, this is not like two years ago and God's worked on my heart. We're, we're, we're minutes away. And we get in the car and she looks at me. She's like, what do, what do you think it's like driving together? I go, I just kind of looked. I decided not, I think I gave an answer. I probably shouldn't share it in church. I don't remember And I'm, as we're driving, I'm like, okay, God, you are with me. I should probably change my attitude right now. This is so simple, is it not? It's so simple, we just overlook it, or at least I do. It's so simple. God is with me. But if we took that truth and let it marinate in our hearts, and we actually practiced it in our lives, what would, what would our marriages look like? What, what would our anxiety look like, if we would even have any? What would our parenting look like? How we might think about finances differently? How might we think about traffic differently? I mean, just run through the spectrum of your daily interactions, the things that make you go, oh, and the things that make you go, oh. And if you just simply said, God, you are, you are with me. 
one second, every minute, God, you are with me. And Matthew is emphatic. This is, this is one of the, if not the main idea that Matthew wants to communicate through his whole entire gospel. Jesus is God with us. Do you know the last few words of Matthew's gospel? It's Jesus speaking. Do you remember what he says? Behold, Zephaniah knows this because we did a Bible study on this earlier this week. Behold, Jesus says, behold, I am with you. Always, says always, till the end of the age. End of book of Matthew. That, that's how it ends. Mic drop. Matthew's like, may we not forget this. Jesus is with you always till the end of the age. And so here, Joseph is probably not comprehending this truth fully, that Jesus is God with us. And so it says, in her, in her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. This is interesting. It says, Joseph is a just man. He is a man of integrity. He is a blameless man. This is a man who wants to pursue God's will in God's way for his life. He is a man of integrity. And it says he has resolved, he's thought about this, he's maybe even prayed about it, and he has resolved, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divorce her quietly. And, and the reason why he wants to divorce her quietly is because punishment in that day for someone who committed adultery was that they were to be stoned to death. So this is why, most likely why Mary left town and went and stayed with her relative. This is why Moses, or Moses, this is why Joseph wanted to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to put the spotlight on her. He didn't want her to get stoned to death. And so here, he is this man of integrity. We don't hear one word from Joseph's mouth uttered in all of the Bible, but what we do hear uttered is he is a man of character and integrity. And so he decides, I'm gonna divorce her quietly. Which makes me think, um, he thinks he's making the right decision. But is he? There's a, there's a proverb says, there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it actually ends in destruction. This is why we need God with us, is because we can feel or we can think, oh, this is the right way. And God's going, nope, I'm actually doing something in this. And so as he's about ready to make this decision, it says, verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, speaking to him, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. 
this is the first of four times where God will speak to Joseph in a dream through an angel. You know what this teaches and that we see this throughout scripture? Not only is God with us, but God speaks to us. Now, some of you are like, well, I haven't really heard God speak through a dream or an angel. Or maybe you have. Maybe you have. I'm, I'm not down. This, I believe this still can happen to today. today. We can read this and go, man, that'd be real nice if God could speak to me like that. Every night I hit the pillow and I get an angelic visit and I'm told to do this and that and this and that. that man, that really paved the way and make things a lot more clearly in my life. Guys, what if I told you we have something actually way better than an angel that visits us in our dreams? We have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who wants to speak to us and lead us and guide us. We can have peace because there is a truth about God and the truth is this, he speaks to us. He leads us. He guides us. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us maybe through other people. He speaks to us. But are we, are we listening? Are we actually listening? Truth number one, God is with us. Have peace. Truth number two, God speaks to us. Have peace. Listen to him. Matthew continues, and, and, and listen to what the angel says to him. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The second time we hear that. This is from the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. She, Mary, Mary will bear a son, and you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. I, 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 I just got stuck on that phrase this week. The angel says to Joseph... Mary is going to have this son. That, that is the way that God is going to use Mary. That is one of God's purposes for Mary's life. She is going to have this son. And then, he, and then the angel says, but you, Joseph, you ain't off the hook. God has a purpose for your life, and here's what you are going to do. It's emphatic. It is a singular you. You, Joseph... You're going to name him Jesus. You are. Not Mary. You are. And I'm so struck by this because I'm imagining Mary, in a way, kind of doesn't really have a choice in this matter. Like, she's got the baby in the oven, okay? She, she doesn't really have a choice, and she's like, all right, the Lord's going to do what the Lord's going to do. I'm going to have this baby whether I like it or not. Joseph, Joseph has a measure of choice in this, does he not? He can just, whoo, that is a hot mess I don't want to mess with. Because if I marry this woman, Mary, my family, I'm going to be ostracized from them. 
Everyone is gonna look at me and think, what are you doing, Joseph? You're gonna marry this woman who's pregnant from the Holy Spirit? So it sounds like she's both crazy and an adulteress. And Joseph, you're gonna do that? May we be reminded, friends, that Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem where all of their family lives and we make it a story about, oh, there's no room in the inn so they have to go to this barn and have this baby. Why do they need to go to the inn? Aren't Joseph's relatives there? Aren't Mary's relatives there? So they celebrate Christmas alone with mom and dad and uncle and aunt and cousins right down the road. And Joseph knows that this is, a very, that this is going to happen if he takes Mary. And so he can, he can wash his hands of it and say, I'm, I'm out, find another man for the job. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, no, 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 God has a purpose for your life. You can't back out on this. God wants to use you in this way. You, Joseph, you're gonna name him Jesus. You know what gives me tremendous peace? That God has a purpose for my life. The same way that he had a purpose for Joseph's life. Joseph is kind of like this silent saint of sorts. But man, Did God use Joseph in a pretty incredible way? I wonder how God wants to use you. You better believe that he wants to use you in incredible ways. God has a purpose for your life. You can have peace because God has a purpose for you. He is with you, he speaks to you, and he has a purpose he's trying to communicate with you, to use for your good and his glory. And so the angel says, Joseph, you can't, you can't bow out. God's got a purpose for you. You are to call his name Jesus. In the Hebrew, it would have been Yeshua. Everybody say that together, Yeshua. Don't you sound so smart when you say that, Yeshua. Another Hebrew version of this is Joshua, which means God saves. The angel says, you, 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 Joseph, you got to name him. Name him Jesus because it means God saves. And the angel even says, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Now in the Greek, when it says, for he will save his people, it's, it's emphatic. A literal translation would be this. He and he alone will save his people from their sins. You and I can have peace because through Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Isn't that good news? Your sins, trying to get your kids ready and getting out the door and having a nasty attitude and you gotta preach in an hour and a half. Your sins are are forgiven. And they are forgiven, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. Not because you've earned it, but because Christ has already 
earned it for you. He and he alone has saved you from your sins. You and I, we can have peace because your salvation, it is secure. May we not overlook how good news that is. Last night, I was reminded of how good, such good news this is. So I went through an interesting exercise. I created what's called a legacy binder. Does anyone know what a legacy binder is? It's basically a binder that prepares your spouse for when you die. Sounds morbid, right? But here's the deal. The Lord might take me at some point, and I want her to know how much she has for life insurance. We've confirmed that apparently we need some more last night. But I'm like writing down, I'm, I'm literally writing notes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, here's, my passwords are like one of, one of the four things. Like here are my four passwords for everything. And then I wrote like, or just go on my computer and, and the passwords are kind of already in there. And I, I literally wrote, just ask Micah Huff. He'll help you. He knows all that kind of stuff. And then it was like, you know what? Uh, and I'm just, I'm writing all of these notes to Melissa of like what to do and where things are and the, the birth certificates, et cetera, so that if, if I pass away, she knows all these things. And, and at one point she asked me, she's like, do I need to create one of these? I'm like, no, actually you don't. I think I've got everything I need and you don't have life insurance. We should think about that, but hey, we're, we're good here. But it was, it was this interesting exercise where I get done with it. She's like, okay, now don't, don't go dying on me. But man, isn't it good news? that when the Lord takes me home, whether it's sometime today or 50 years or 60 years from now, my salvation is secure. And we have that in Christ Jesus alone. Alone. That gives peace. Here's the last thing that Matthew wants us to point out, wants us to see. Verse 22, Matthew says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. But, but where I get stuck is this phrase at the beginning of verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. This is the first of 12 times where Matthew will say, this took place in this way to fulfill what God had promised 700 and some odd years ago. You know what this tells me? You know what this communicates? God is in control. Even when our life feels out of control. I make up that Joseph is in a moment where life feels out of control. I make up that Joseph is in this moment where he's going, this is not how I drew it up. My wife is pregnant and I'm not the father. 
where do I go from here? And God, where might you be in the midst of all of this? And Matthew wants us to know, no, 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 no. God is still in control. In, in fact, the very thing that seems and looks out of control, God is right smack dab in the middle of it, in control. And so what this means is that when we look at our lives, especially those trials, those tribulations, especially those moments where it feels out of control, where your peace is threatened, you know what truth about God we can, we, we can hold as an anchor to? God is in control of this, always. We can, we can look at everything that's going on in Israel and it seems so out of control. What if I told you that God has that all in control? Because that's what God's word says. God's going, hey, no, 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 I, I got this. Be faithful, but I got this. And, and look at whatever situation that's going on in your life that feels out of control and just remind yourself, no, 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 God's in control. All I need to do is be faithful. God is in control. And so, and so that is why the angel says to Joseph, you don't, you don't need to be afraid. You can have peace. Don't, don't freak out. God is in control. God's using this. And so here's how it ends. It ends with, it says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph is faithful. And I wonder if he's faithful because he knew these promises of God. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God was speaking to him and leading him. He, he knew that God was using him for a purpose. He knew, he knew God was in control. And he knew that this was gonna lead to the salvation of the world. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Here's my simple challenge to you. Meditate on these promises of God. Meditate on these truths of God. What if, what would your life look like if for one second, every minute, you reminded yourself, God, you're with me. God, you have a purpose for me. God, you want to speak to me. God, you're actually in control of this. One second, every minute, God, you are with me. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this truth that is found in the gospel, that you are with us, that you have secured our salvation, that you speak to us, that you have a purpose for us, that you are in control even in the moments where our life feels out of control. We thank you for that. And so, Lord, would you help us apply this to our lives by simply drawing our attention to you and reminding ourselves, you are with us. We thank you for that promise, Lord Jesus.
We pray these things in your name. Amen.